Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Make it so. Help, walk one. Walk two. Walk back to eight. Engage. 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 T.O. Gray hot. T.O. Gray hot. T.O. Gray hot. Would you like some tea? Okay, so now it's recording. Okay. So ready? All right, shoot. Okay, so here we are at um, doing a Star Trek Picard podcast in quarantine during a pandemic, um, and we are very, very late in uh, doing this last official, well, the last series, TNG series podcast. Uh, after this, we'll move on to Star Trek Picard, but there has been quite a delay because I've been traveling. I went to South Africa for five weeks, and... Then we encountered a pandemic, and so sorry to everyone who's, for anyone who's been waiting for the next episode, but uh, anyway, Dan, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. What about you? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm good. You know, quarantined and bored and watching Star Trek and drinking beer, <laughs> you know, so actually not a whole lot has changed in my life, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's been interesting with all the, uh, all the changes floating around. Yeah, indeed. But, um, you know, this has just meant that we've all had more time to watch more Star Trek and listen to more Star Trek podcasts and uh, and enjoy Star Trek, you know. So, um, okay, so what beer are you drinking today, Dan? I am drinking. Let me see if I can get this to show up. Short Hills, East Coast. Oh, that's not going to work. Look at that. <laughs> I can see the captain's chair in the background. Okay, so we're recording via Zoom. This is our first Zoom meeting here. So uh, some of you may be watching this. I may upload this. And you get to see our beautiful faces for the first time. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, I am drinking a classic. Um, nothing too fancy. It is, well, you can't even see it on the screen here, but it is, oh, there it is. Bone, oh, the old classic. Gold classic, yep. I'm sure I've drank this before in one of our podcasts and have given it a high rating, but oh yeah, and that might be the third, second or third time you've done. I have no idea, but it's in the in the beginning. I know I drank a bone shaker. Um, yeah, so today we are we'll be reviewing, talking about, discussing, in my opinion, the best TNG episode, all good things. Um, so okay, I'll just give a brief summary of what this episode is about. It's the very last episode. Um, so according to IMDb, the description goes as follows. Captain Picard finds himself shifting continually into the past, future, and present and must use that to discover a threat to humanity's existence. Um, so, Dan, why, why is this episode worthy of us talking about today, in your opinion? Um. Uh, partly, possibly mostly, because it is completely about Picard. Yeah. It is completely Picard-driven, Picard-solved, Picard-created, Picard-figured out everything. It's all about Picard, which is good. And it gives <laughs> the whole time jumping from three different time streams gives him range to, to act that you don't normally see in an individual episode. So it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think out of all the episodes throughout the whole series, this was Patrick Stewart's best acting right in line with the inner light um, and maybe chain of commands. But 
the way he played the old man in particular, I thought was so, so good. Uh, just the little nuances, the gestures. He even, like his voice was even, sounded older than the previous timelines, I think. You know, like the present and the past timeline. You could, he sounded like an old man. He moved like an old man. His facial expressions looked like an old man. It was very, the acting on his part was very good in general or overall. He, um, oops. he looked like he was having fun. <laughs> Like he's having a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I read on the um, on Memory Alpha that he was in every single scene except two throughout the entire ninety minutes, and you know there over a hundred, really? yeah, over like a hundred scenes basically throughout the episode, and he was oh. in all of them except two. You know, so just he was also from what I read quite exhausted as well. You know, <laughs> and he apparently lost his temper at one of the Entertainment Tonight hosts because there was like some sort of after Trek special that was running in conjunction with the old good things filming and one of the entertainment tonight hosts kind of bugged Patrick Stewart and there was a big fight on set, a little bit of trivia <laughs> to free there. So just from sheer exhaustion, you know, um, and another side note, it was a 17 day shoot. It was actually oh, scheduled. Cool. Yeah. It was scheduled for a 16 day shoot, but they went over for one day. The last day it was just John Delancey and Patrick Stewart scenes. So yeah, they played of, really well off of each other. They always do. They always do. And we'll, we'll get to that later on in the show. But basically, the reason I like all good things, it's a continuation of the best plot line through Star Trek, you know, which is basically, is, is humanity worthy enough to travel to stars? Is humanity worthy enough to expand their mind and horizons throughout space and time? And it's also, as I said, the finest acting throughout the series. And it's, as you said, it's all about Picard, all about Picard, you know, which, who is the most intriguing character in Star Trek? It, alongside yeah, data you think uh like the the storyline's cool like humanity on trial uh trying to evolve become better uh q q continuum uh watching them and see if they could handle being uh allowed to exist and, and travel to stars and when i'm watching it and i don't think i ever because i i don't watch the episode very often just because it's one of the best ones and it's also the saddest one because it's the last one and all that yes but bittersweet. I don't think I ever thought about it before. So the Q continuum is omnipotent, omnipresent beings who tra traverse multiple galaxies, multiple realities. They can be anywhere they want, whenever they want. They go backwards in time, forward in yeah. time. They only gave humanity seven years. <laughs> That's true, yeah. And I was like, thinking the same thing, you know? It is not a lot of time. <laughs> yeah, seven years of life of a Q is, is not even a blink of an eye. Like, it's nothing. Give them no time at all for such a big decision. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Like, they are an impatient, omnipotent species. But... I don't know maybe they perceive time differently and <laughs> so like seven years the q continuum is just a good sampling i, I have no idea i'm just speculating but it, uh, it's just bizarre i get i was watching it and i i stopped and had a chuckle and then i carried on because yeah, it just made me laugh yeah no like the same thing happened to me like i was thinking seven years like damn q that is not a lot of time to judge all of humanity yeah right <laughs> but um I don't know. I think in those seven years, you know, the crew of the Enterprise did a lot. And, and so I think he was being a very harsh judge of character, harsh judge of species, if you will, you know. But yeah, definitely warlike and, and violent, but explorative and, and uh, creative and, and uh, poetic and all that. Was, yeah, good. But are we, war by Picard. 
are we warlike and violent in the 24th century though? You know, like now I think we are, but in the 24th century, at least what was portrayed in the show, not so much, but yeah, man, IQ holds some pretty high standards. If we didn't pass the test in, uh, on the Starship Enterprise, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fuck. Um, what else was I going to, okay. So I have a whole list of things here I'd like to talk about. So at the very beginning, Troy and Worf's relationship, don't buy it whatsoever. Um, to me, it's screamed basically. It's, so it's the reason I don't like Chakotay and Seven's relationship in Voyager. If no chemistry between Worf and... Inside. I understand. It's okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, good. So yeah, there's no chemistry between Troy and Worf. Um, Star Trek does relationships terribly. I, the only good relationship in all of Star Trek is Kira and Odo. I know you're not the biggest DS9 fan, but that is the best. That's the most realistic, interesting relationship, the one I actually cared to watch. But Worf and Troy, I mean... Tasha, Yara, and Data. Oh, Tasha, Yara, and Data. <laughs> Everything, yeah. I That lasted like one one episode, basically. And oh, they were... They were under like some sort of, uh, some sort of influence from what I, it was a season one episode, right? It was that's when they oh, hooked up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think in the, I think in the books, they make reference to that because um, it's around the same time frame. Some of the books, and then after with Data, and they hooked up a bunch of times, and she just made sure that he kept secret about it the whole time. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. They 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 reference it in the book for sure. I just remember Data saying that he's fully operational. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or fully functional, right? Fully, fu- fully functional, yeah. So, I mean, Tasha, you are sleeping with a sex toy, like a walking sex toy. Um, but I know Data is more sentient than a vibrator. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, that, like that relationship was definitely better than uh, Picard and Baj. Well, and yeah. Those two actors were dating in real life at the time. So. Really? Yeah. Bosch and, and the show. yeah, Bosch, Bosch and, and they're dating in real life. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yep, that's why uh, she was on the show. Huh? Well, good for Patrick Stewart. And they she, had terrible chemistry. What on screen? Yeah. yeah. It was not believable in the slightest that they had a thing. Well, they had a shared love of archaeology. That's about as far as it goes, I guess. But she was kind of a renegade, and Picard is more of like a, you know, follow the rules kind of guy, I guess. So I don't know, maybe opposites attract in that regard. But hey, did you like uh, in Federation at the very end when Picard sends the automated hail to Kirk ship? Just to oh yeah. That it was? Yeah, that. yeah. That oh, was really. Gotta... That was really cool. Yeah, and thanks again for, for uh, lending me that book years ago and, you know, it taking me years to finally read it. <laughs> I kept telling you, you got to read it. It's one of the best ones. Yeah, yeah, I know. So well, now during this freaking quarantine, I have all the time in the world to read. So, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, what's your opinion of Troy and Worf's relationship? Did you buy it? The only reason I buy it at all is because, again, in the books, like, like the episodic books, like number 20, number 38, like that, those... <laughs> ones and then the bigger ones like the novels that are actually well written some of them make <laughs> reference to that some of them talk about it i think some of them happen during the relationship most of them i read in most of the episodic ones i read in like high school so i don't really remember but i buy it only because of that because in the books they build on it a little bit no, but if it was just that standalone episode just the the end that final episode 
I can see that if they had done it sooner, there's a lot they could have done with it in yep. the show. Like they could have explored a lot more with it, but I, uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't quite buy it. Yeah, like I, Riker and Troy, they have some chemistry, I think, you know, and that relationship, totally cool with, totally happy with. Um, and I know you haven't seen Picard, but we may or may not see them later on in Picard. <laughs> um, okay, so for the audience listening, Dan has only seen up to episode five, you said, right? About to start five, yeah. Oh, start- and I don't know if we made it clear, but we're very far apart. You're your place, I'm at my place. We're separated yes. by kilometers and kilometers right now, yeah. So if it sounds weird if the audio's off, that's why. What would be funny if, if it's like the audio is better than our actual recording somehow, like being, you know, right beside each other. Because I know in the past we've had audio problems. So if, All the fighting with the goddamn speakers. Yes, yes. So it would make me laugh if now the audio will be so much better, you know, with us being kilometers apart and recording oh. this over Zoom. And, um, you know, maybe I should upload this to YouTube so everyone can finally see our faces, watch us with the beautiful Star Trek background that we have. So <laughs> I'm actually right above the horseshoe. You're at the view. You're in front of the consoles. <laughs> That's hilarious. I think um, it almost works. I think if actually it does work because I would be. No, it doesn't work. Well, see, I would be like I'm pointing. I can't, yeah, you're not seeing where I'm pointing. Off to my to my left. I I'm at the I'm at the turbo lift basically, right? Oh, so you'd be off to the right. Oh, okay. sorry. Okay, I see where you are. Yeah. So I'm looking at the back of your head right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I'm looking at the back of your head. I'm at the turbo lift, so I'd be, I'd be staring at your head. Oh, my back. Oh, yeah, because I'm facing the view screen. Your way well, you're facing the view screen. Yeah. But yeah. what would be cool is if like we could each be in the uh, like you'd be in the captain's chair. I'd be at like the first officer's position or something, you know, or like at the consoles. I think yeah. I think if we were. Um, uh, more uh, better with the AV stuff. I think we could probably pull that off somehow. There had to be a way to do it, but I don't. Do I know, think we need like a green screen kind of setup. There was a maybe you told me about it. Um, oh, what was it called? The uh, someone had rebuilt or put online the entire enterprise, and you could walk through it in the in the program. It was like District Nine or. What the hell was it called? Can't remember now. But the um, uh, CBS uh, did a cease and desist, so they had to stop developing the the game because it was supposed to be like an immersive game, like for VR and stuff. And you could right. like walk through it and and go like walk on the bridge, and and it was like scene for scene, shot for shot, down to like the smallest minuscule detail. It was the Enterprise. Really, love to be able to play around with that. I didn't believe- find out about it until after it stopped. Yeah, I know there's like an Enterprise Bridge Crew VR game. Is that what you're referring to, or is are you talking about something else? I'm gonna do a uh, sure. search for Enterprise VR Bridge VR because if I because I have the VR setup for the PlayStation, if I can get that for the PlayStation, I yeah. might leave. Yeah, but you need a VR helmet then for that, right? I do. I have the PlayStation uh, VR setup. Oh, you do. Okay. Well, I know there's a Bridge Crew. VR game. Ooh, PlayStation VR. Bridge crew. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> That's like the first thing I would have bought with that VR helmet, man. VR game Star Trek Bridge Crew. Oh, merciful Jesus. 
<laughs> I'm coming over to your place, whether you like it or not, to play that. Oh, God. We just have to get a uh, second helmet, and then we have to do the um, the like the Twitch stream from inside the VR setup. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on the PlayStation website just to see. Um, yeah, the PlayStation VR, it's a uh, it's the poor man's VR, basically. It's a really cool VR setup. Works well, looks good, but it is not at all like a professional VR setup or like the high-end um, VR setups. Like someone will drop like two or three grand on a VR setup for a computer. It's not really that good, but that's the job. See, I, I think this background works so well for me because I have green wall right behind me. Like you've been to my place and it's, you know, I have these green walls. So I think it's working pretty well in that regard. Yeah. And you've completely disappeared. <laughs> That's... What the hell happened? The lighting? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> so you can see more of my beer can now. I can see your hair for some reason. Just <laughs> you're like floating hair. You're floating toupee. Let me just back. Gone. Did you switch screens or something? Like, uh... hang on. Uh, Enjoy the bedroom. Nope. There you are. <laughs> no idea why that happened. That's weird. Oh man. Okay. Um. Okay. I'm just gonna move on to my next note here. Um. Yeah, so with Star Trek Picard, I, see, I think they should have moved or they should have started Star Trek Picard, you know, the, the new TV show with Picard having the beard like we saw in All Good Things uh, just for continuity's sake. That would have been really cool, but yeah, they didn't do that. But, uh, no, it would be, uh, that would have been nice. But... but yeah, like they had the same uniforms in Star Trek, in, sorry, in, in All Good Things as they did in Star Trek Picard, which, so that's one sense of continuity that I really appreciated actually. Yeah, they did it better than um, than you might expect. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, like, um, uh, what's the example? Um, not Battlestar Galactica, but I think something. No, I think I had a train of thought there, but it flew <laughs> at the boarding station. Well, okay, I have a question for you. Then, in the meantime, so do you think? Okay, so you know the episode Tapestry that we, 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 we talked about that a couple of uh, episodes ago. So all the timelines that, that Picard created, is it basically the same sort of illusion that, that Q created um, in, in like the past and future of all good things? So like, are they actual alternate universes or are they, are they just all illusions that Q, that Q created like he did in the Tapestry episode? You mean all the timelines that he was jumping through? Yeah. Uh, so, like, are they at multiple universes that that's that are separate from what Q created, or are those actual, or are those just Q creations, like what he did to uh, Picard in the Tapestry episode? 
So um, I don't know if I'm making my, my question clear exactly. But. Yeah. Um, go with the uh, what's the what's the theory for uh, um, every decision creates a, a different branch of reality or the multiple worlds theory make, yeah that I would imagine you would say that yeah yeah and that's fair like I'm just not sure if like all if like the the future we see in the past we see in the uh, old good things episode are simply Q creations or just alternate timelines that is independent of Q, if you get what I mean. I would go with alternate timelines only yeah. because Q was oddly um, committed to making sure that Picard like completed it, like yeah. like, like top three basically, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Your enterprise is blowing up in the background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there it's, it is. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I got to. That's the. It's all. Weird. I can just see the turbo. Okay, I can see more than the turbo. Brighter, <laughs> softer. It's cool. Um, you're developed in a fog right now. <laughs> I find it so funny. Yeah, the whole the whole um, it, uh, Q was so committed to making sure that Picard was able to finish it, complete the like the mission, like quotation marks. Um, yeah, it seemed like if he hadn't been able to, it almost seems like that's what would have happened. Like the humanity would have ceased to exist, rather than it being just some shitty little test that Q's putting them through again. Right. Uh, that's based all on John Delancey um, and his awesome portrayal of Q and the uh, the emotion he puts behind some of the uh, some of the writing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Q could play Q today, or sorry, do you think John Delancey could be Q today? I mean, granted, he's oh totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about this John before. Delancey, he's like, it's like seventy, what seventy. yeah early 70s you know but yeah like we've talked about this before like why would q be so much older if he's an immortal being right how's that beer treating you it looks like you got some reaction from that beer no the beer is called spirit wolf sun made by sons of kent it's a coffee blonde oh i could have told you that would not have been very good i i um hang on can you? Oh, uh, you can't. Kind yeah, of. Oh, yeah, it has a wolf uh, on it. Yeah. That's why I got it because I like the logo. But you didn't read but the coffee part. Good. Oh no, I didn't see the coffee until I was trying to describe it to you. <laughs> so I have a feeling. Yeah, coffee, right? The fucking ingredients. Nope, we're not drinking that. I have a feeling that will not get many uh, real grays at the end of tonight's episode. It might not even make it onto the chart. Oh my god. Oh. God. Uh, this uh, my next my next. So I've got a bunch in the fridge, but my next one. Um, can you? Oh man, this. So the can <laughs> is a uh, it's a lime green, um, lime green and darker green color, but it's made by Muskoka, and it's a pale ale. 
and it's called, and I don't know why yet because I haven't opened it, but it's called Key Lime Pie. Key Lime, as a beer, Key Lime Pie as a beer. A beer. <laughs> Man, that should be interesting. You got to tell me how that goes. What's the alcohol percentage on that? That's a good question. Is it an IPA? It is. Hang on. Crude original crack opens can. It's a pie inspired pale ale, so it's not an IPA. A pie inspired pale ale, man, that sounds amazing. It says, okay, so in our latest collaboration, we're bringing you a truly original key lime crossover. Crack open this can of pie inspired pale ale and indulge in notes of creamy key lime and sweet graham cracker. Jeez, man. You know what? Like, I'll level with you. I've never had key lime pie in my life before. So. I uh, I know I have. <laughs> I can't remember for the life of what it tastes like. 5.6% alcohol, too. Well, you're going to get re- reminded by this beer here, probably. <laughs> it's actually really good. Really? Um, okay. You know, uh, say you were going to go to Max back in the day and get like one of the big gulps of like that shit that comes out of the oh yeah it's like the like squishy the squishy thing? yeah uh, what is it it's a squishy base like you know from the, from the simpsons a squishy yeah, well yeah okay yeah exactly <laughs> like that. But, but it tastes like a, a slightly muted version of that yeah like that green stuff you'd you know, come yeah. out yeah, yeah i know that, what you're it, talking it's about it's good it, it's sweet but it's good hmm. okay i'm gonna pause it and we'll be right back and i'm gonna get another beer all right and we are back. Okay, so now I have a new beer, um, which is actually a beer that I've drank many times on this podcast. I don't know if you can see it. It is... Tilted. Yep, yep, perfect. Yep, it is the uh, Octopus Wants to Fight IPA. I've drank this many a times on this podcast, and I'm, I have no idea what rating I've given it before, but um, I'll give you another rating at the end of this episode, which I'm sure will be similar to the old, to all the other ratings I've given it before, but um, it tastes amazing. Anyway, so, Dan, you're in the captain's chair of your Zoom background. How do you feel being in command of the Enterprise right now? I feel like I really want to say engage. <laughs> do it. Uh, hang on. i got to get this perfect, right? <laughs> you spoiled the moment. <laughs> engage. Oh, not bad. Goosebumps. Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> Man, that is awesome. Like, So, where I am in the Zoom background, I'm basically where Worf stands. So, basically, I'd be giving you a lot of bad advice right now. I'd be telling you to fire or, every ship that comes. <laughs> I, you know what I would do that Picard never did? I would actually listen to your opinion and consider it before I immediately said no. no you, sh- you should not consider it because Worf was always wrong in every single instance. He was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so no, don't listen to me oh, when Worf. I say to you. From the tactical console, don't listen to what's coming your way. Okay. <laughs> so uh, only listen to me when I say shields, that I recommend shields go up. Generally, shields should always go up when encountering a new enemy space or a new unknown spacecraft. But when it comes to firing, you know, be wary of my suggestions then. <laughs> Take it out. Yes. All right. So all good things. Best episode of TNG. Um, let's continue this discussion. So I made a few more. Do you have any notes that you want to bring up while I look at mine? The, uh, the not about Picard per se, but about the uh, uh, the aged makeup, the how they made him look old. Yep. A really good job. 
not too far off the mark from how Picard is today in the new Picard show. Yeah, it's more he's more mobile in the Picard show, but not too far off like appearance wise. Yeah, yeah, that's true. As I said, like I think they should have started Picard in Star Trek Picard with the beard, but um, yeah, it's close. Like I can tell there's a difference in the eyes. The eyes look more age, more obviously realistic and aged in the new Picard, but um, it's close. Like there's some age spots in the in in the old Good Things episode, and um, I think what sells Picard's age in old Good Things is the way he moves and talks. That really sells it and uh in star trek picard he's just naturally that way now because he's old and real because patrick stewart's old and real and all that, yeah. yeah and so you know that in star trek picard he's playing a 94 year old version of picard did you know that yeah and, but he's only what like 80 something in real life 81 well, in real life he's 79 years old yeah so yeah. he's doing a really good job he's doing a great job i mean if i can you know, be that healthy at 79 still, I'll be, I'll be happy with that, you know. So. I could be a uh, multi-millionaire mega movie and TV star when I'm 79, yeah, I'll, I'll live with a good life. Yeah, and also, have you seen his wife? His wife is a total babe, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, she's like in her late 30s, early 40s. Yeah. Um, she seems like cool shit too. Yeah, Sunny something is her name. Sunny, her last name starts with an O, but um, you know, she seems really cool, you know. Um, I also want to give a shout out to all of Data's cats in his study. In his study? Did, yeah. <laughs> all over, yeah. Everywhere. They're like, there's a Siamese cat. There's like a, they're black and white cats. Big fluffy one on top of the fireplace. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would live my life too. If I had, you know, <laughs> a nice place like that. And I, w- I had the, what is it called? The Lacrucian <laughs> chair. Uh, I'm not pronouncing that right. Um, but Stephen Hawking had that it chair. Sounds right. Yeah, Newton had that chair. Isn't that the the same chair that that, uh, Newton had? Yeah, Newton and Stephen Hawking. Yeah. Yeah. And so Data inherited in the future. But, I mean, yeah, all those cats, man. Jesus, I just wanted to give a shout-out to those cats. Like, if I had that chair, if I had that place, that's how my place would look, too. Um, All right, where are we here? Oh, Hugh's... uh, Makeup when he's dressed up like the original judge from the from uh, Encounter at Farpoint. Um, so in this episode and in Encounter at Far, Farpoint, it always throws me off. He's got that not even subtle. He's got that blue shaded lipstick on. That's right. Yeah. And for some reason, it's always just kind of thrown me off my off my game just a little bit. It just looks so odd and makes the whole thing just the whole Q4 trail just that more ominous. It does. Like, I, I, I like the look. Um, so, okay, so he's judging that look based off the 21st century courtrooms hearing post-World War Three in Earth's history. Yeah. Um, that, that's what that whole scene is about. And so I'm assuming that the judges in the post-World War Three, you know, um, history wore that lipstick, you know, but it, it does make him look more ominous. It makes him, it makes him look more badass and uh, villainous, you know? So I, I like that look, that judge's robe, it just adds this aura of, of power to him, you know, and, uh, and the way he, he spoke in it, I thought added a lot of presence to his performance. Yeah. Yeah. It would definitely, you could tell who the villain was in, in each of those scenes. But you know, like, was he a villain in the end, you know, cause he actually helped Picard. So it was the Q's 
um, direction to um, put Picard through the trials, but it was Q's idea to help him out by moving him through each time period, right? That's that's what I gather from the episode. So he wasn't really a villain. Yeah, it's funny when you that. You're using the word Well, not as much of a villain because he still followed through with Q's the Q's uh, instructions, right? Still put them on trial, all that, but then found a way to do an end run around it and help them out, help Picard out and and, and pass the test and all that. Mm. Um, but still, so he's not Hitler, but he's definitely one of his upper henchmen. Yeah. And also when you're, when you're talking about Q, Q the continuum, Q the character, and you're saying Q and not explaining Q the character, Q the continuum, I can still figure out which one you're talking about because I know Star Trek so well. <laughs> I, do, I do. When you're saying, but Q, and you're talking about the continuum, and then, but Q, I know you're talking about the character. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, there are many different Qs, right? We've met in the series. Okay, well, we've met three Qs. Um, we've we actually met some judges of the Four. Q continuum. Oh, I don't know how far you got in DS9. Um, I wait, was it? I believe. Oh, wait, that's you. Okay. Um, no, I haven't made it too far into, uh, not, not far enough into DS9 to see Cisco punch Q. Have I? Okay, no, so Q appeared in DS9 in season one. So you, you must have seen I've that. Seen episode. Appear, yeah. yeah, and he never appeared again in DS9. But in the book I am reading right now, the card slaps Q twice, actually. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I don't buy that, though. I don't think Picard would ever slap Q. That's more of a Cisco move. Uh, I don't know if you, if you remember that from the IQ book I'm reading right now, but Picard slapped Q. And I, don't, I didn't buy that. I did not buy that. But anyway. Well, if anyone could force Picard to do that, it would be Q. Yeah, yeah, I would say, yeah. Um, well, you completely disappeared. I can just see your hair again. It's so funny. You have this hair outline in the captain's chair. <laughs> and then there's like this weird mist above. It's like some alien presence is overtaking the bridge right over the captain's chair. I think we've all seen that episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Q is materializing. The Q continues materializing right by the turbo lift right now. Oh man, that makes me laugh. Um, it was weird. Um, not weird. Shouldn't say that. It was nice to see all the old uh, crew members getting together behind Picard to uh, to to help him out, even though they all thought like there's nothing there. It's just he's you know crazy. Um, but yeah, because they love him so much, they're just like gonna go along with it and just see. Um, see what they could do to help them have like one last adventure before the and and meaty and the meaty and whatever the thing in his head, um, whatever that was. Oh, uh, neuromotic syndrome. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it was nice to see all the, the loyalty that they had for him. Yeah, like one thing I found that was kind of funny, speaking of loyalty, was just how crazy the past. Enterprise crew must have thought Picard was 
Like, I mean, you had Picard calling out Q, Q, where are you? You know, and no one else on that ship knows what a Q is. And then he's getting all these orders like, yeah, let's just go into that anomaly, produce a static warp shell. And he's not telling the, the entire rest of the crew why he's making all these weird decisions. And um, my God, like I was just thinking, geez, the whole crew is following all these bizarre decisions and they're not really questioning it. It's like, you know, um, a, uh, a military machine, more or less. Yeah, but I just, I would have, like, if I was Picard, I would have felt so awkward just saying, just yelling Q in front of, you know, my whole bridge crew and hoping he shows up. And uh, then when he doesn't show up, how embarrassed I would have felt, right? And um, yeah, but anyway. Um, Oh yeah. Okay. So I had, so there's one flaw in this episode that I didn't quite get or that, that I'm, I'm going to point out that I may be wrong in, in, uh, in explaining. Um, okay. So if Q, let me just read this note I have here to myself before I say it. Okay, yeah, so if Q wasn't making Picard aware of what was happening in the past, you know, with this anomaly that was happening in the Devron system, why would he eventually start that inverse tachyon beam in the future? So it's that whole paradox thing, right? So he started, the whole, the whole anomaly started in, in the future, right? And then that anomaly created this, effect that made humanity sort of that made humanity cease to exist in the past do you follow me so far yeah okay so okay so why would he start oh my god i've lost myself here so it's like it's a causality thing here so he only wait a second (laughs) i'm confusing myself now why would he eventually start that inverse tachyon beam in the future Oh my God, I had a note here and it's not making any sense right now. <laughs> well, why wouldn't he? Okay, wait, so if, if Q... Oh my God, I don't know. Okay, so if Q wasn't making Picard aware of what was happening in the past. You know what, I was looking for some flaw in the logic of this whole thing here. So if Q... And you know what? Oh my God, look at this. <laughs> So for anyone listening, we have we just have a picture of Dan's ass now in the background, Um, and and your ass is coming, or your face is coming out of your own ass, (laughs) and going back into it, which just makes sense. Um, okay, so anyway, I had some points that's not quite coming out correctly because I've had more than one beer and one, sometimes more than one beer affects me a little bit too much. <laughs> what, um, I think, uh, what, I, what I think you're trying to say, he learns about the inverse tachyon pulse. Yeah. He implements it in the future. He implements it in, in the future. Um, Why does he implement it in the future? Is what you're asking. Yeah, so he learns about it. Yeah. And I had this all figured out before, but why would he eventually start that inverse tachyon beam in the future? I think... So, like, wait, wait, he he already knows at that... Does he know at that point that starting that tachyon beam will affect the past? 
No, he doesn't. No, he, okay. he doesn't know. He doesn't know enough at all. But he, all he knows is that the inverse tachyon pulse might give him more information about what's actually happening. And it doesn't matter what time frame he does it in. He just needs more information. So that's when he. That's why he does it when he's in the future. Because that's he learns the information. Try this. He gets pulled into the future again. So now he's got time. He's going to try this. But if he'd been pulled, say, into the past or whatever, he still would have done it because he had just learned that information. Mm. I think is how that plays out. Yeah. So the whole thing started because of an inverse tachyon beam in the future. That's that's how this whole anomaly got started. Yeah. Jeez, they better not pull that trick again in any future incidents. Incidents. The. Um, so is, is that all it takes to destroy humanity is to create an inverse tachyon beam? Is that all it takes? No, oh, because in in some of the other books, things like that, inverse tachyon pulse, you can do like anywhere else in the galaxy, but in like, say, that point at that time, if they had waited five seconds, maybe that wouldn't have happened because of all the other stuff going on. If they had done it 10 seconds sooner, might not have happened, but that exact time, that exact place, that exact chip and pulse and blah, 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 blah. That's what created the, the cosmic time-altering effect. But if you had stopped for a cup of coffee on the way, it wouldn't have happened that way simply because a little bit more time had passed or not enough time had passed, things like that. It was only because he did that tachyon beam, that inverse tachyon beam at that exact point and that, at that exact time and space. That's, that's how I take that. It's, it's the, uh, the, the, the chaos, chaos effect, chaos theory. Yeah. Hmm. Also, uh, I was listening to a uh, Star Trek podcast today and talking about um, the second Picard episode and about ordering, you know, tea or Earl Grey hot. Apparently, yeah. in the original TNG run, he only orders it seven times throughout the entire series. He only ordered it what? Seven times throughout the entire series. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. But it's become an integral part of his character, which is cool. Huh. Yeah, and in this in the first Picard episode, um, he altered that order, didn't he? To uh, decaf. <laughs> decaf. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, because <laughs> he's old, right? <laughs> and a little bit of trivia: that was Patrick Stewart's own idea. So, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, we got a lot to talk about with Picard. Yeah. Okay, we'll save talking about Picard for the uh, next episode that we do. That was, I thought it was neat. Um, so in the seventh season, in the final season, final episode of the seventh season of Picard, of uh, TNG, sorry, um, Patrick Stewart would be what, fifty, early sixties, because um, yeah, early sixties, I believe. Was he in his late forties when he started? Oh, we, we can. Well, are we talking about the actor or the character? Actor. Well, Patrick Stewart was born in nineteen forty, and. So like ninety five. Yeah, so he would have been fifty four when the show ended. So he's fifty four. So watching the scenes when he's in the past, where he's wearing the original captain's uniform, he still cuts a very trim, very dashing figure. He looks good for yeah. dude in mid fifties. Like, like he hasn't gained a pound since uh, the first season actually aired. It looked really yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can tell he's aged a little bit in those seven years, but <laughs> they all. All of them in the in the original season one uh, uniforms, Tashiar, like everyone, they all look older—not old, but 
definitely older than when the show first aired. Tashiar was the only person that looked exactly like she did in season one. I thought everyone else, I could tell they made even more some more wrinkles around her eyes. A few more wrinkles around her eyes, I think, was the big thing. Even Data, I could tell he aged since season one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he definitely did. You can see it around the eyes on him, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's okay. I'll suspend my disbelief because it's such an amazing episode. It's Uh, it's definitely definitely something I'm willing to uh, overlook. Oh, yeah. So, okay, one note here. Um, One similarity between All Good Things and Picard is that there is a big lurking threat, and Picard has to gather a crew in a ship to solve the problem. Except, in All Good Things, it's with the familiar TNG characters, and Q is involved. So, in a way, All Good Things is better than the 10 hours we had with Star Trek Picard. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, if you're uh, you're a a purist, for sure. It's the original crew all back together. Yeah. Yeah, you totally see that. Yeah, yeah. So, like, as I, as I just said, I mean, so all good things. Picard gathers a crew, solves a big problem. And Picard, yeah, I know he has to gather a crew, but it's like uh, not, not the Enterprise and it's stranger or it's, um, unfamiliar characters. So I don't know. I mean, like all good things, the 90 minutes of it or the 10 hours of Star Trek Picard, which I have seen, you know, that's the jury's still out on that. Um, well, for me anyway. Um so I'm not going to give a verdict on that quite yet, but <laughs> I think um, you haven't seen all of Star Trek Picard, so no, no, not yet. I have to watch. But it. I'm just saying that there are some similarities between All Good Things and Star Trek Picard, you know, and um, and I just wish that Q wasn't Star Trek Picard, but yeah. he wasn't. Like Q should be in far more of Star Trek than he actually is, I think. Well, you know, fingers crossed in the first season, too. Yeah. It's gonna, I hope they also start filming it soon before Patrick Stewart gets too old to keep going. Well, the original plan was that they would film it in the summer of this year. So who knows if that's happening anymore? I don't know. Yeah, he must be protected. Yeah, he'll be 80 this year. So I don't know. Like, how long can they realistically keep shooting Star Trek Picard for with uh, Patrick Stewart's age? I wonder. Didn't, oh, uh, what, um, the actor who played Sauron in Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he, like his mid nineties when he when he did that. No, he was like in his mid eighties. Was he, he? Yeah, he died in um, died like just a couple of years ago, and he was at like ninety four. Um, oh. Starts with an L. Um, I forget his name though, but Christopher Lee wasn't it? Christopher Lee, yes, that's who it was. Thank yeah. You. Uh, I gotta look this up now, Christopher Lee. Uh, just, uh, just because I'm, uh, that gives me hope for uh, Patrick Stewart. Christopher Lee. So he, wow. Uh, hang on. Wikipedia. He died when he was 93. 93. He was born in 1922. 22. He did Lord of the Rings. Well, he actually met J.R. Tolkien. Yeah. Interesting. 
So I got totally sidetracked by the Lord of the Rings here. Oh, that's uh, right. That's right. Um, I'm gonna go back to the screen. Wait a second. Why can't I go back? Wait, what? Nope. Start. Uh, oh, there it is. Ah, okay. So I, so I had somehow minimized the uh, the video part back. I was just I was just gonna say how amazing that initial courtroom scene between Picard and Q is. You know, like I got goosebumps just seeing Q for the first time in that episode coming down that, you know, coming down that black background on that. And that, that big black hat on with the yeah. red robes and looking yeah. all ominous. Oh man. And then just, just the way he delivers his lines, the presence that John Delancey slash Q has and uh, going, each of them going off of each other and yes. making the scene just perfect. Yes. Yeah. Like the chemistry, these two characters, these two actors have a, from each other. Oh my God. It is, electrifying really you know and i've always given you the comparison between like batman and joker right like one's really serious one's really like whimsical and chaotic you know so um and it's the same sort of chemistry here it's uh like in every episode but especially this one you know it's just it's electrifying really no i uh yeah i agree with that completely um it was neat too when picard is in the past and he's watching uh, Data and uh, Jordy interact for the first time, and Jordy says some off-the-cuff remark, and Data doesn't understand it, so he starts talking to Jordy, trying to understand it, and he keeps talking, and he keeps talking, and the way Data used to in the early days when he didn't really understand humanity, he keep talking, keep talking, and then it pans over to Picard, and he's watching the scene play out from the dis in the distance. He's got this little smile on his face because it's nice to see you know, everybody young again and, and understanding how far everybody's come and, and how far data's come as a human and as an android. It was, uh, it was really neat to see. Was this like, sorry, was this in, in All Good Things or was this in one of the previous seasons you're talking about? All Good Things. When he's in the past. Yeah. And he's watching data and Jordy interact in the, in the, uh, in engineering and he's pulled back a little bit and he's just watching them because data's just asking question after question after question trying to understand and, 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 and explaining things. And Jordy just says, well, that's just the way it is. And yeah. it pans back to Picard, little smirk on his face, a little smile is kind of remembering the old days. Yeah. I really like that touch. Yeah, I know, but you're talking about Miles O'Brien and, and Data. Jordy was well, wasn't right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah O'Brien. Yeah, that's why yeah. it threw me off. Like, yeah, Jordy. It, it, was, it was so nice to see. Like, you just looking at them all, like, oh, the kids, you know, watching yeah. everybody in the early days. Yeah. Fantastic. I like that. No, I like that too. You know, it's those small, subtle moments that really make the episode sometimes, you know. And uh, um, Patrick Schroeder the one to deliver that too, I think. So why, why, in your opinion, do you think um, Q and Picard, why do you think those scenes between Q and, and Picard are so good? Like in, in All Good Things or in general? Um, well, let's say in general. Well, the, uh, the, the actors themselves are, are top notch. Yeah. Uh, I don't think John Delancey was ever in anything as big career-wise as, as Star Trek and, and Q. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, the, um, the, the charisma that they each had, that they had working together, like you could see them play off of each other and, and build and, and the emotion that they could get across with even the simplest of exchange is the... I don't think that would have worked quite as well with a lot of other actors in either yeah. role. Yeah. And I think they were very friendly off screen as well, which I think helped. 
Yeah, I wonder what their what their relationship would have been like off screen. Yeah, I would assume friendly. You know, they they work so well together. But yeah, similar of age and yeah, yeah. I, I'm curious. Like with Star Trek Picard, I would love to see like an a universe threatening issue. You know, in season two. I mean, in season one, I'm not going to spoil anything for you, but it's not a universe ending thing. But well, maybe it is. I <laughs> okay. I, I don't want to go into spoiler territory for you. But um, I, I hope they talk about bigger and grander. <laughs> there are going to be bigger and grander stakes in season two is what I want to say, you know. So hopefully Q will get involved and let's see, you know. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of my other notes was that I think, yeah, Q and Picard really steal the show. Um, yeah. So like, I mean, overall with this episode, I think it's just great science fiction. You have a time travel episode. You have... Um, character arcs being fulfilled you know you have great character moments in general um yeah and it's it just sort of cements picard's relationship with the crew you know that's another aspect of it so in terms of it being a series finale i think it is one of the best series finales that i've ever seen ever you know it's um for all the reasons i just described you know like the acting's top notch the story's top notch um conclusion of character arcs you know so the the ending scene with the card going into the uh, into Riker's quarters for the poker game something he should have done a long time ago as he said you know um you know so him kind of becoming more comfortable with his crew in on a personal level you know so it's it's just it's like it's the perfect series finale like, I am trying to think of another series finale that comes close um, from what I've heard, MASH comes close, the series finale to MASH. I've never watched MASH before. You have, I know. I know you've, you've kind of compared it to, to that series finale. Um, yeah, that works. Um, I'm thinking of like maybe... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I, was, I don't know if you'd ever watched the TV show uh, Eureka. Um, the nope. series finale for that was quite well done as well. Very good ending. I have not, like, I would say maybe the Deep Space Nine series finale comes really close. You haven't seen it yet, but when you get to it, it's really close. Um, I mean, you have to have the the same investment with the characters as you did with with TNG, you know. Um, But no, it comes close. Uh, What about Buffy? You've seen the series finale of Buffy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, that one wasn't bad, but choosing between the two, I would still take Star Trek. And Picard sitting down at the poker table and saying that he should have done this a long time ago. Yep. And then them saying, like, you've always been welcome. And then they start dealing with the cards. That was, that was perfect. And the ship flies off into the stars. I guess. Yep. Was- yep. No, that was perfect. I can't think of any other series. Finale. Like, I mean, Firefly didn't really have a finale, right? It just kind of abruptly got canceled. That, that was a, like, if you're going to get abruptly canceled, that was an awesome episode to end on. Uh, for sure, but <laughs> it was yep. uh, they, their finale could have been so much better. Yeah, uh, about um, oh man, oh cheers. Yeah, I was gonna say that was gonna be my next one. Cheers. Yeah, proposed like wow, that was perfect. Yeah, that was yeah, awesome. God, it's been like literally twenty years, maybe since I've seen the cheers finale. That makes me sound very old, but um, I mean, I, okay, if I might be wrong, but I think the last shot is Dan walking out of the bar, like just sh- shutting the door. Yep. Is that it? Yep. Okay. How do I, I remember um, that? 
It was uh, uh, it was on it was a subscription to uh, to Crave, and it was on Crave TV for quite a while. So I had started watching it from season one, episode one, and it it started in in the eighties. I don't know. No, no, it was like seventy eight, I think seventy nine. No, no, I can't. It wasn't in the seventies. Oh no! Swear to God! Swear to God! Um, Let me Google this right now. Old, old, old. I show. don't think so. I don't think so. I'd put money on it. Cheers. 82. <laughs> you owe me money. Back like, I think you're lying. No, I just Googled it. <laughs> you're lying. You're September 30th, 1982. Spanish remake of the original show. Oh, fuck. You're right. It was on Crave. I started watching it and it was fucking great. And I, and like, it's an old, old, old show, right? But it still totally fucking worked. And I still laughed. And, and some of the, uh, some of the jokes, like the topical jokes didn't quite land for me. Cause I didn't really understand them. Like I, uh, uh, like some of the political stuff, I kind of knew some of the names that they would mention, but only because of like other movies and stuff. I had no idea what they're talking about, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, it was just a just a great, 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 great show. Man, that movie is almost forty years old, or that show is almost forty years old. And then it got pulled off of Crave, and I can't find it anywhere else. And I don't want to buy eleven seasons of a TV show. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a lot. You know what show yeah. still still stands up for me after all this time is Married to a Children. That's my second favorite sitcom yeah. next to Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever watched it, but mm-hmm. that's on Crave too, actually. And um, or is it? Really? No, sorry, it's on Amazon, I think. Mm. Amazon, but it's that show still makes me laugh, and that's like also mid '80s, right? So I don't know if you have you watched it before. That would that not have been mid '90s? It went like mid to late '80s to early '90s, I think. Like same time period as Star Trek TNG. Oh fuck! I don't know that at all. This no, thing- the, I watched that show religiously because it was on. Um, uh, it was on. Late at night, it was 10 30, 11 o'clock. He'd watch like a couple episodes, and it was um, after or just before the Louis Blanc stuff on like City TV. City TV, I remember City TV. Very vividly. You remember the show Electric Circus? <laughs> oh, god, yeah, yeah, yeah I, <laughs> that was a long time. That was a long time ago. <laughs> so good. Uh, so sorry, this is like for all uh, other for all other Canadians watching. I think you'll know what what we're talking about. For all people from different countries, these are retro, you know, eighties, nineties TV shows that would come on late at night on various channels here in Canada. That uh, so we're just indulging in our, in our nostalgia right now. Forgive us. <laughs> but the Electric Circus was awesome. All it was was like people dancing at like one a.m. to techno music in weird clothing at uh, at the Much Music. Uh, building in Toronto, <laughs> and they uh, and they um, did, it was like what was it the Dick Van Dyke uh, New Year's Eve uh, bash, but not done nearly that well. Like it was a very Canadian dance show. Yeah, it was very Canadian. Yeah. Oh man, I miss the '80s so much. <laughs> So very much. Oh my God. Anyway, no, um, but I missed the '80s, but they definitely had their uh, had their moments. 
anyway so going back to all good things um i would say overall like we were just talking about this but it's a great bow tie to the whole series you know like um the trial of humanity coming full circle sort of in an encounter at far point and then ending in all good things you know um you know seeing possible futures for the crew exploring relationships uh picard lowering his shield so to speak and playing poker with the crew so it is the perfect um yeah bow tie to the whole series and that's i think what makes it for me the best series finale i've ever seen um because i like i'm struggling to think of comparable series finales and i can't i really can't i've watched a lot of tv shows in my days from start to finish excuse me and i cannot think of a better series finale that wraps everything up so neatly um maybe buffy coming you know into a close set well a close third after ds9 but um you know also i would say the voyager series finale was pretty spectacular too uh have you i, I take it you've seen that one? Oh, of course yeah yeah uh end game it's called and um one thing i will say star trek does series finales really really well <laughs> it never does pilots that well it never does initial seasons very well but it does series finales really well. Once they get their footing, right? It, yeah. It just right off. Like, I mean, I look at Discovery Season 1, which I'm not a fan of. Season 2 gets better. Season 3, which I think you will actually watch now because it's set in the future. That could be really good, too. You know, I still have to make my way through the second season. Yeah, I mean, I, I would skip the first season, really. To, you know, and to, I'd get a lot of flack well, for that, but I, I prefer the first season over the second. I've only made it halfway through the second and I, I, I'm not enjoying it at all. I, You're I, not enjoying I, it? I hate the mirror universe nonsense. I hate what? it, hate it, hate it. Yeah. Well, you know, the mirror universe nonsense is all season one, right? There's no mirror universe stuff in, in season two. Uh, there's more in season two than there was in season one for Discovery. Yeah, for, for for Discovery, there's no all that Mary Universe stuff takes place in season one at the end of season one. Just, just I know I started watching season two and it's all through like the first few episodes. It's all oh, you know, I can't I just I can't do it. I hate that shit. Hmm. I can't do it. Okay. Well, okay, so season two is all about like the Red Angel, all that stuff. So just keep plugging away at it. Ugh. Well, I keep plugging away at season two. I mean, skip season one. Season one deals with that Mary Universe stuff. Oh, no. Season one I watched all the way through and enjoyed mostly because it wasn't so much about the Mary Universe stuff. And then season two, holy Christ, the first few episodes are all about Mary Universe. Like, fuck. I hate that shit. Hmm. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to slog through it. Because I got to get through it to like, get through the third season where it's set in the future. Like, okay, I can do that. But it's yeah. taking a while. <laughs> no, like I mean, dude, I, I agree. Like I don't like the mirror universe stuff at all, really. It's just it doesn't really appeal to me, you know. But uh I like Star Trek best when it's discovering new worlds, when they're um you know, interesting species to to discover, to you know, parallel with our own and um morality tales, you know. Um that's Star Trek at its best. You know, when it has unique characters that are put in unique situations, but um, and I, I think that's where Star Trek Discovery kind of fails. It's I'm it suffers from the same reasons I don't like Star Trek Enterprise. Star Trek Enterprise, I didn't care about the characters very much. Star Trek Discovery, I don't care about the characters very much. Like Michael Burnham, I'm sorry, 
not interested in, in her character very much. She, she doesn't have that gravitas that uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not taken with her. You know, um, I think Saru is the most fascinating character on Star Trek Discovery. So I liked um, uh, the, the, um, the captain, um, the one who was in the Patriot. What's his name? The guy who was from the mirror universe. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. You're talking. Well, so I think you're talking about uh, Lorca. Yeah, yeah, I liked him a lot. Like as an actor and as a character, he was interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the rest of them just, yeah, whatever. Like Michael Burnham, like that actress, I like her a lot. She was great in The Walking Dead. Yeah, I agree. But just not good. No, like, I mean she's just boring to me. I'm not invested in her at all. I mean, like you, you, you compare her to any character in TNG or DS9 or Voyager, and no, sorry, I, I'm not buying it. She's so. I don't know what word you want to use for it. I just think she's boring, you know? Um, yeah. When I liked, uh, like, Enterprise, like, so the Enterprise show, I watched it all the Go ahead. It, I'm trying to find the words. So it um, definitely, it barely qualifies as Star Trek. Um, I watched it at the time only because um, there was no other Star Trek to watch other than TNG and, and, uh, and like the original series and all that, Deep Space Nine. And, and like, I need more Star Trek. So I watched it. I don't, did you watch the whole series? Uh, Star Trek Enterprise? Uh, yeah. yeah, I did. So I lost interest in anything to do with Enterprise. Like I watched it just, because at the time I was a completionist, now I'm way more willing to walk through something. But right when it's been years now, but the the alien race uh, went back in time and yeah, destroyed Zindy. planet Earth. Or, Zindy. Yeah, I when that happened, I'm like, well, I'm out. I don't give a shit about this anymore. It doesn't make any sense. You're out at that point. It's stupid. Like, yeah, I. Oh, it was terrible. Just awful. Well, I see, I, Captain Archer as a captain. He was a good captain. He was okay. Yeah. I mean, so wait, um, have you watched all of Enterprise or let's sorry, no, okay. So you stopped at a certain point when that happened. No, no, I, I watched all the way through. I just stopped caring at that point. Like this is a stupid fucking show. I just watched the episodes just to finish the series. Okay. Yeah, see for me I think Enterprise got really good when it started getting serialized after the Zindi attack. Um over Florida, that's like the Zindi attacked, and it, it did like a straight line of destruction down Florida and the, the eastern coast of the, of the United States. And then it became, um, as I said, a serialized show, um, which was became more interesting and um, exciting at that point, I would say. But um, yeah, I mean, it, like you can't compare it to Voyager or DS9 or TNG. So, but I will say it's not horrible from seasons three to four. So. Uh, like, um, uh, like I say, I like Captain Archer. Didn't like the Paul. I liked the Doctor. He was kind of cool. Yeah, Doctor Flox. He was really cool. I thought he was a bit like the Doctor from Voyager in, in some ways. Just, yeah. Same kind of mentality. Right? Yeah, same same mentality, same disposition. Yeah, but um, so you know, I think that really goes to show that Star Trek might be more about the characters than the story. What do you think that's true? Sometimes, like, 
I, I think Star Trek Enterprise had a great story in the last two seasons, but if you don't care about the characters, then the story doesn't mean that much. It doesn't mean yeah, that. You're not going to bother to continue watching because there's no point. Yeah, I mean, like in Star Trek TNG, we love Worf. We love Data. We love Picard and Riker and all and everyone else. We love them. So we care what happens to them and the universe they're in, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, but in Star Trek Enterprise, I mean, how much do you care about Trip? How much do you care about, you know, T'Pol or, um, you know, what's the other... Uh, uh, Helmsman names. I don't. Even, I don't remember all their names now. That's how much. That's how forgettable these characters. Are. I don't remember all their names. But um, yeah. I don't know. So uh, the the characters on that show, just like the characters in Discovery, for me, they're generic sci-fi characters. They're not interesting at all. Yeah. They're just yeah, whatever. And you know, like I think you and I are in the minority in that. You know, I think most Trekkers really like Discovery, but. I think it's because they want to like Discovery so much that they're willing to forgive these things, you know, and don't remember how good they had it maybe in TNG and PS9 and Voyager. Um, okay, I think you might be right about that. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty fucking shitty. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yep. I mean, like... But now we have Picard, we have TNG, we have the original series, we have Voyager. In your case, you have Deep Space Nine. <laughs> I'll never convince you of that. Just, just, just tell me you're not a huge fan of DS9. You can tell it to me. I told you that before. <laughs> I told you that before. But, but I'm giving it a go. I'm working my way through it, episode by episode. Yeah, you've been saying that for years. I don't think you're watching it. it it's, it's totally okay. You, you don't have to keep watching it. It's okay. If you don't like it, you don't like it. But it gets better and better and better because if you get through the Dominion Wars, it's the best Star Trek you'll ever see, in my opinion. So, but yeah. I... Uh, I will work on it though. Okay. I'm still working on it. Work on it. Work on it. Yes, because it's it's worth it. It's worth it, especially when you get to the last episode. I mean, um, anyway, I'm not going to convince you anymore. Just you either watch it or you won't. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, how are we doing for time? Not bad. I think I've um, I have no idea where we're at, but um, yeah, I'm going to figure out how to see or view or or. I, it, doesn't, it doesn't show the time at all where we're at. I'm guessing, what, when did we start this? We started this at... Uh, eight... We'll go by the chat. Hang on here. I texted you about the password at 8.15. It's 10 now. Jesus, I bet you it's been an hour and a half. Okay, okay so I just have one more point to make. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is an extended edition because it's it's technically a two-parter. Let's not forget that. All good things is a 90-minute episode. You know, there's a lot to talk about. Um, so one of my favorite lines in the whole series and the whole episode is when Q says, charting the unknown possibilities of existence. I love that, you know. And he was about to tell, he was about to whisper into Picard's ear, the secrets of the universe and what i'm going to do with you right now dan is i'm going to share a, um, a clip with you something we've never done on earl gray and picard but i'm going to share this clip with you and hopefully all the viewers can see it as well um hold on here we go you see that okay yeah one moment. 
um, scenario. We wanted to see if you had meant you did. And I realized the paradox. Exactly. For that one fraction of a second, you were open to options you had never considered. That is the exploration that awaits you. Not mapping stars and studying. Someone read it left. Finding the unknown possibilities of existence. You, what is it that you're trying to tell me? You'll find out. In any case, I'll be watching. And if you're very lucky, I'll drop by to say hello from time to time. See you. <laughs> that might be my favorite scene in the whole episode. Yeah, love so that's what I wanted to know in Star Trek Picard, you know, like I wanted them to explore the unknown possibilities of existence, you know, and um that never happened for me. Never happened for any of us. But um but I, I love that that last I'm little sure bit. We have there, to get though. our heads. Uh, Go ahead. Well, that's the that's the Star Trek uh, mythos, right? It's the um, uh, the the search and exploration and um, uh, drive to learn and discover and and seek out new life, new civilizations. That's the whole whole idea behind Star Trek. The the um, the positive outlook, the, 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 oh, I the optimism. Think of the right word. Optimism? The optimism. That's it. Yeah, yeah, the optimism. Yeah, ex exactly that one. Um, it's just, yeah, it just works. I don't know. Like, I mean, Picard, or sorry, he was saying that, um, you know, exploring or discovering new alien worlds is a paltry way to discover it or to expand one's mind, you know, like, I think he was trying to say, like, maybe new, new horizons, like new thinking about time and space differently, and and things like that. Instead of just discovering new alien worlds and meeting new species, but the unknown possibilities of existence. And what does that mean exactly? And that's what I want to have explored in future iterations of Star Trek. You know, um, and. It's hard to put that into the proper words, but I don't know. Like, trust me, I enjoy Star Trek for, you know, the crew of the Enterprise discovering new planets and meeting new species and whatnot. But, you know, paradoxes and spatial anomalies that travel back and forth in time and things like that, you know, that really change our view and understanding of the universe. That's, that is, I think, what, what he was alluding to. And what I wish they would explore more more about in uh, future iterations of Star Trek. But anyway, we may or may not ever get that. I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it'll be fun to uh, it'll be fun to find out. Yeah, if we ever get there. Well, I mean, we have uh, Picard season two. We have Star Trek Discovery season three, which takes place nine hundred and eighty some years in the future. So. I my hope is that we will get some um, references to what happened to Picard, what happened to the Federation, and so forth. So, um, you will. So, will you be watching Discovery season three? Yeah, I'm gonna slog my way through season two just to get to season three. Yep, do it. That I'm excited for. 
Yep. Okay, do that. Um, okay, so anyway, let's get to our beers here. Um, why don't you rate the beers that you've had tonight? Uh, I am on technically my fourth, but I didn't drink the second, so a third. Um, I'll start with the first one. Oh, dear. Pull up, the, pick up the empty. It is the Short Hills East Coast IPA from Bench. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. That was three beers ago, so I don't remember 100% <laughs> like I did. Uh, I want, I'm going to give it, because I can't remember, I'm going to give it a six. <laughs> okay. I didn't I didn't not like it enough to remember, and I didn't like it enough to remember, so it's a six. Okay. Um, the sweet lime pie, that's going to be a solid eight and a half. Wow, eight and a half. Yeah, it was good. It was it was sweet. I think it's one of those ones I might be able to drink maybe two max. Just sweet enough that I wouldn't want to drink more. But it was okay. The <laughs> the Sons of Kent's um coffee blonde. Oh my god. Spirit wolf. It has the coffee in it. Ew. Not even on the scale. <laughs> um <laughs> lowest rated one. Then, what I'm drinking right now is from Mill Street Brewery. It's called Ruby Code. It's a cream ale. Um, it's actually really good. It's a little sweet, but it's really good. So this one I'm going to give a seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. And again, I, I love how your hair is just circling the captain's chair right now. <laughs> it is so hilarious. <laughs> and I'm right behind you there. You know, I'm at the tactical station just shouting um, – orders to fire at the ship in front of us and that and i'm ignoring it and you're, you're ignoring me as usual okay next time I'm, I'm getting the captain's chair for god's sakes jesus christ man <laughs> um then you can yell you can, you can yell command or a suggestion to me from the Shields. anyway so tonight i've had the bone shaker ipa one i've very much accustomed to it's one of my favorites i'm giving it um a nine Earl Grey's out of 10 because you know, it's a, it's a staple for me, 7.1% alcohol content. And I think it's made here in Canada. Um, yeah, it's brewed in Toronto at the Amsterdam brewing company. So, um, IBU of 80, which is very high. And the, uh, alcohol content, as I said, is 7.1. And the one I'm currently finishing is the, um, I don't know if you can see. Oh, well, anyway, it's kind of there. The, yeah, there that it is. That is a very, very good beer, yeah. Yep, it's the Octopus, Octopus Wants to Fight IPA, 6.2% alcohol content, and it's made also in Toronto at the Queen. I don't know, I don't know where it's made, but uh, has an IBU of 88. Wow, okay. 88, how about that? Um, and I'm giving that one uh, an 8.5. So we've had quite a mix of the beers tonight. And, okay, Dan, give your rating of the episode tonight. 9.8. 9.8. Okay, great. I am giving it the highest ever a 10 out of 10. This is my favorite Star Trek episode ever. And uh, all episodes will... Here to be, uh, or hitheru too, is that the uh, correct word? Be compared to uh, this episode in terms of its greatness. Um, anyway, yes, 10 out of 10. I, uh, yeah, I can totally see why you went that way. I look forward to the next one. I hope 
that it's in person, but the uh, camera to camera across the distance seems to work out pretty well too. Hopefully the audio is just as good. Um, and hopefully our listeners, if there are still any left after our ideas, <laughs> yeah. um, enjoy it just as much as we did. Yeah, hopefully. Um, so I'm not sure, Dan, we can talk about this off, uh, off camera, offline, whatever. But uh, if you want to do, I mean, all 10 episodes of Star Trek Picard are out there. You still have five or six more to go. There are 10 episodes total. Um, so if you want to do one individually or if you want to do a season one review in its entirety, it's up to you. We can talk about it later, but um, the next episode we'll do will have to be a Star Trek Picard episode. You know, um, so I think uh, can... um, given the pace of the show, probably like two or three episode chunks. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Yep. Yep. Rather yep. than individual, because I think individual, we wouldn't have enough to talk about <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So we can do it uh, in chunks. Yeah, we'll do three episodes at a time. Um, and you've seen the first three episodes. So, you know, it's like the first chapter of Star Trek Picard. I'd say, we, you know, we should, we should just do that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. All right. Okay. Um, is there anything else we can mention here? Um, anything else you want to say, Dan, before we sign off for today? Oh, just mention the Facebook page. Yep. We have an Earl Grand Picard Facebook page. I will be posting updates there and um that is it and i can dan i just see your silhouette right now around the captain's chair i can't see your face i can just see your hair <laughs> oh man hilarious <laughs> you're it's like you're you're a cue on the ship you know you're just doing your thing <laughs> discombobulated yeah all right, man. Well, okay. Enjoy the rest of your beer and let's do this again in maybe like two or three weeks. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. Make it sooner than uh, it's been what, a three month stretch. Yeah. Three we months. Go, stretch, we do yeah. a little quicker than that. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in South Africa and then we've had the pandemic and uh, now we're finally back and able to do these podcasts. So hopefully we still have some viewership left, some, you know, um, some followers. Yeah. Well, I look forward to the next one. Yeah, likewise. All right, signing off. This is Steven. This is Dan. And we will see you guys later. <laughs> They're all uh, done recording. <laughs>